Hello, we are Becky and Gabby, your micropolitan matchmakers, coming at you every Thursday to help you find big love in your small town. Each week, we'll cover everything from dating advice, dating love stories, and horror stories, interviews with other dating experts, and much more, all from the lens of dating in a small to medium-sized micropolitan region. Oh, hey, friends. Hello. For those uh, who are listening and not watching on the YouTube, Gabby just cheers. She is rocking the happy hour today. I've got the bubbly. I'm going to save wine. I've got dinner with my folks in a little bit, but it's coming. But we still have a very juicy discussion for you today, which I'm excited about. I I probably should have poured a glass for this, but we should be glasses deep by now. Who knows? Well, all right. We can always do a part two of this if needed. Although my dating history is not that extensive, but you know, we'll, we'll talk. Um, so before I let Gabby oh, grill me, I'm a little nervous for this. Um, Gab, I'm going to turn it over to you. Cause you've got a, it's your turn for heart take this week and you've yes. got a good one. Yes, it is. So I think I've talked about this on the podcast, I'm sure many a time, but um, dating apps, I've always had kind of a love and hate relationship as most people do with them. I feel that I started using dating apps a couple of years ago, and I would always spend a lot of time and energy for say a week or two trying to meet people. And then I would get annoyed or frustrated. And then I'd go off for a month and then I'd redownload them. And it sounds like a lot of people go through similar things. And I also felt that I was kind of seeing the same people or matching with the same people on dating apps every time I would delete and re-upload the app. Um, But as of about six to eight months ago, I have decided to expand um, the mileage Mm -hmm. portion of the preferences so that I think before I had the mileage at like 20 or 30 miles. And I think now I have it at hundred or 150 miles and I've met more quality matches by expanding that distance. And also not only that, I'm not saying like there aren't quality matches like right where I live, but it definitely like expands the dating pool a bit and you're not running into the same people all the time and not, um, and so the last like three guys that I've dated via Hinge, because I mostly use Hinge specifically, have been within a two hour drive of me, which has worked out very well, actually, because I do think that it causes people to try to get to know each other a little bit more before we meet for an actual in-person date. Like I usually will spend more time chatting with this person on FaceTime or on the phone before we actually meet in person, because it is an investment of time and energy to like drive an hour and a half to meet somebody. Um, And so I kind of am already making those decisions early on. Like, is this person worth my energy? Are we looking for the same thing? You know, those are the questions I really ask myself before I meet somebody that's an hour and a half away. So yeah, it's been a real game changer in my dating life by being open to that quote unquote long distance dating thing. You know, I love that. And I think you know this already, Gabby, but when my boyfriend and I first started dating, he lived about an hour North and it actually was great too, because it forced some timing, not necessarily like taking it slow because we still did talk a bunch, but we, 
had to go at like a specific pace because he, our work schedules were a little different and, you know, we had to travel to see each other. And I actually think that was great because we've made certain moves in our relationship quickly, like moving in together um, after a couple months. But at the same time, like in that early stage, it was really nice to maintain kind of like a clear head. And it was such an occasion to go see each other versus like the relationship I was in prior to that. It was so convenient because we lived walking distance from each other that like, I almost feel like that sort of ruined it quickly because it just got boring. So, you know, different situation for every people, like everyone. But if you haven't tried this, I love that that's your heart take, Gabby, because I think it's something new to whether or not it's expanding the dating pool. Like you said, that invigorates you, even if you don't end up meeting someone from a little bit further away. But I think that could refresh someone's outlook. So I, I love that that take. Totally. And I think too, like going back to kind of like keeping it fresh, what you were talking about and keeping it exciting by, you know, not necessarily seeing that person every other day or every day or whatever, like seeing them maybe like on the weekends or every other week. I think, especially at the beginning of a relationship when you're kind of in that like honeymoon phase and um, you're so excited and you just want to be around this person all the time. If you guys are separated and I'm experiencing this now because I'm continuing talking to somebody that I met who lives, you know, about an hour and a half away, um, that there's so much less emphasis on the physical stuff and so much more emphasis on the emotional stuff of getting to know, like, I'm not going to see him for another week. So like during that week, like we're really going to have really great, I mean, we only have an option to have a conversation over time, you know? And I think that is nice to kind of separate the physical and the emotional piece at the beginning of a relationship. So I love that. That's my heart take. I love that. Well, and and Gab, you're going to keep the reins for this one because we drew straws and I got the short one. You're interviewing me today. I am interviewing Becky and I'm excited <laughs> because Becky's a very interesting individual. <laughs> I learn from her and what has happened in her dating life up until now that has led her to be in a serious, committed relationship with someone she lives with. But also, too, the fact that now she's a dating coach. So, like, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see, like, what happened to <laughs> bring you here. I so, love it. Let's get started. So, a lot, I think we've talked about this specific piece in a, in a prior episode, but you weren't in your first, relate like, serious relationship until you were 26, right? So, Correct. what did your dating love life look like up until that? point, you know, you did go away to college, came back. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, a lot of that history is really what informed many of the issues that I had early on in my dating life, like in that first relationship and and even a few after that. So um, I was, whether or not this is how other people saw me, my interpretation of how I was always seen was like, the fun, the friend, like the funny sidekick person. Um, you know, I had crushes on people in high school and in college. Um, and usually would like try to use humor and a little bit of a people pleasing tendency that I have to like ingratiate myself with people. Uh, but it never really turned into anything romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of self-confidence stuff there. And, and, you know, I think part of it too, there was, um, some fear there. And, and I'm not even really sure exactly where that fear came from because both of my, while my biological parents were divorced, they were both 
by that point in great marriages, particularly, you know, I lived with my mom and my stepdad and, and they have a great relationship to this day. So I, I can't exactly tell you where that fear came from, but I think there was um, certainly some body image things. I was not super proud of what I looked like. It took me a while to feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, and I had to really deal with a lot of that before I was in a place to like, even think of myself as attractive enough to attract someone else. So, um, right prior to that first relationship, I had finally found some like activities that really made me feel good. Like I had started running, I had started yoga and it wasn't necessarily even about how my body looked at that point, but just feeling more confident in my body and my ability to do things. And I think that started to radiate and that's what put me in a better spot for that that first relationship, which was also long distance, actually. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. I'm going to make a note of that. We're going to dive into that after I ask a few questions. That (laughs) So, you know, that's really interesting. You bring up the whole self-confidence piece of, you know, wanting to be in a better place mentally, you know, loving yourself more before you kind of like turn outwards and look for that, um, look for a partner. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about that and how, you know, now looking back 15 years later, what that, if if somebody's going through that right now, like the, the self image and, um, you know, body image, like what kind of advice would you give to somebody to hype them up and, and tell them that they are worth the time of a romantic relationship? Yeah, I think for the longest time, I felt like I had to be, if not perfect, like the best version of myself before I could really like put myself in a place to be in a relationship. Like I, you know, and at that point, a lot of it was body image. And I don't like honing in on that because I don't want people to think that that's something they should be thinking about. But at the same time, to be authentic, that was what I was the biggest piece of what I was struggling with at that mm-hmm. point. When I found, you know, I had tried all through high school and even college, like some different athletic things and just nothing ever stuck. Like I tried out for cheerleading and I didn't make that. And I played volleyball for a year, but then got cut the year after. And like, all of these things, which, you know, when I found running, I found something that I could control that I could do at my own pace. That wasn't about how fast I was. Like I was signing up for things to see if I could finish it and literally like, you know, in quotes, like go the distance. Um, and that was really fun for me. And in that process, I lost about 50 pounds and that, and some of it has crept back on since then. There was like a period of time where I got super like crazy about and regimented in terms of how I was eating and training. And that was no way for me to live either. But, um, I found like a more comfortable place for myself, but I think the advice I would give is you don't have to be all the way done. Like you're never going to be done with that growth. And so don't wait because you're robbing yourself of experiences we're all in our own phases of growth. I still am now. I still will be forever. I'm someone who's never going to stop working on myself. Um, So don't be afraid to still look for that person as long as they're also doing the work in whatever areas of their life that they're looking for. You know, you, if, um, if you have a growth mindset, you need to be with someone who also shares in that desire to, to grow and learn and, and constantly evolve. Oh, I love that. She gave me the goosebumps. <laughs> oh, it's inspiring. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to harp on that question because I was having lunch with a friend of mine a few weeks ago. Um, and 
I don't know this person super well, but you know, we connect every so often. We kind of have met each other in a professional sense and kind of just clicked. And, you know, like I said, we'll grab lunch or whatever. So I asked her if she had been seeing anybody um, because she is, you know, she follows along Capital Heart Connection and she's really engaged in the stuff that we're doing. And she said, no, I've taken a break from dating because I don't feel good about the way I look. And like my first gut reaction was like, you are an amazing, beautiful woman who has so much to offer. And any man in her case would be so amazingly lucky to have somebody like you. And it like, I didn't really know what to say, but that was what I was feeling. And so it just like upsets me that, you know, she's not striving for something that she actually wants. Like it is something that she's really looking for is romantic committed yeah. because of how she feels she looks at this moment in time so that's great advice and I love and it. it it is really hard and it's funny I had a conversation actually with like my doctor recently because um tr- you know full transparency like I put on some weight and and I was like are my hormones off like what's going on with me because it happened very quickly and she's like I hate to tell you this but like you're in your mid-30s and this is what happened so like because I had said well I'm not doing anything different and she kind of came back in a loving manner, but was like, well, that's kind of the problem. Like the older we get, you you know, things change, like you need to change along with your body. And, and it honestly doesn't even at this point have anything to do with how I looked. I was just, you know, not feeling super great. And so it was a good like check for me on, am I, am I moving my body as much as I should? Like, am I having one too many glasses of wine? Like once, you know, once a week too often and all of those little things the thing about weight and it's so hard because we are all beautiful at whatever size we are. You should never feel like you need to lose weight for someone else. If you feel like you want to feel better in your skin and like do things to be healthier, do those things. But you know, it's, it's just really hard. And it's such a fraught topic because, um, you like, you don't want to fat shame yourself or someone else. It's hard to talk about publicly because you never know what other people are going through. Um, and to contribute to their own anxiety about how they look like everyone is on their own journey here. So I think the best thing you can do with that is to do what makes you feel your best in that given moment. Um, you know, I rented some really fire clothes that fit me a little better than some of the things in my closet. And the last time I went out with my girlfriends, like I felt really good. Like I had something fun and shiny and sparkling. And I was like, oh shit. Like I, I you yeah. know, I might, I might be a little heavier than like I, I was a few months ago, but like I look good. And, and it's just that nice reminder. So you have to take care of your, yourself and your body image in that way and, and know that you are beautiful no matter what. And honestly, our bodies in our whole lives are going to change and evolve. And so there's no reason to, to not date and not go after those things that you want now, because we're all going to look different in 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm glad that we hit on that. We did it accidentally, but I think that's something that a lot of you know um so I want to kind of jump into your first relationship at 26 what that looks like and getting into that relationship it was long distance how do you feel about the long distance thing you know tell us all about that and what you've learned um in in those you know couple years when you started dating 
Yeah, I think so. That relationship was really interesting and it was very exciting and a very, we had such a great meet cute that um, mm -hmm. I think a big lesson I learned there is just because it's magic in the beginning does not necessarily mean that it is, you know, your forever thing or you're meant to be. We actually had met, I had recently moved back to the Albany area from Syracuse where I went to undergrad and grad school and actually had stayed and, and worked for the university. So I'm big bleed orange gal. And I had gone, even though I'd moved back to Albany, I had tickets to a basketball game and gone back for a weekend um, to meet with some other alums and, and kind of spend the weekend there reliving our college days. So I met this person in my favorite college bar after a really great Syracuse win. Um, and it was like, we it was that movie, like locked eyes from across the bar. He came over, he bought us a round of like cheap pitchers of beer, but like, that's what you do there. Yeah. Um, you know, and brought us over and, and we chatted for a while and exchanged numbers. And as it turned out, he lived in Boston. Um, mm -hmm. and he offered to come, like we kept texting, nothing crazy happened that night. There was no like even hookup. I was there with my girlfriends, but he continued to text and reach out. He was, you know, tall, dark and handsome an attorney in Boston. Like, holy cow, this is what I've like, yeah. this is what dreams are made of. Right. Um, so he came up and visited first. We agreed that he could stay. We'd been talking long enough at this point, um, mostly text, but a little bit on the phone and agreed that he could stay at my apartment, but would sleep on the couch. Mm -hmm. And he took me, I picked a place cause I obviously knew the area better, but he took me to dinner. We had a really lovely time. Our first kiss was very sweet. Um, and the rest kind of progressed from there. And in the beginning, we were we had established some sort of like rules about when we were going to or protocols, like when we would see each other to make sure that um, if we were going to do this, like we were going to give it a real shot. So once we kind of had like each month, we would go like we'd spend two weekends a month together. I'd go down there and he'd come up here. Um, and for a while, it was really great. I think um, there were a lot of red flags, though early on about his history, he had been married, um, the circumstances surrounding the divorce, like whenever we talk about it. Um, and again, no shade on people who are divorced. It was just kind of the fact that the story changed a little bit and the, and the reasons why, um, how old, so, was, sorry, how old was he at the time? He was 33. So he was, okay. he was older than me for sure. Um, and yeah, but I was kind of just blinded by this story and really wanted to believe the best in him. And, and I think slowly, but surely he, um, he wanted to be a bachelor and I just sort of like, I think he was really enamored with the long distance piece, but then the reality of it set in, he knew he was my first serious partner. We dated for about nine months total, but, um, toward the end, I think he just came to realize that we wanted very different things. I think one half of his brain wanted marriage, family, kids, and the other half, was just wanted to be a bachelor playboy. And, and I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I didn't pay attention to some signs, but when communication got quiet, we weren't speaking every day. I think there was some activity going on on the side and that is the danger of a long distance relationship. So I don't, I don't want to deter people from doing that. I think it's just important to be really upfront. The communication has to be and stay so spot on. Um, and I was a little too naive at that point to realize what those signs were as things were, were starting to wane. So ultimately, um, oof, this is like the most brutal breakup story, but, um, we were supposed to spend the day after Christmas together that year. 
and he was on his way to my apartment. I had gifts under the tree. I literally even had like dinner at the, in the oven at that point. And he called and was like, I can't do this. I'm going to take a turn and go to my brother's instead. Like, thanks, but no thanks. And, um, and I knew in the pit of my stomach, like I knew we weren't long, you you know, it wasn't going to last too much longer, but that was, that was a pretty, pretty brutal breakup. Yeah. Yeah. First real heartbreak. Yeah. Well, and, and that was another big one. I actually had this conversation with one of my coaches, um, this past weekend of, you know, she also started her dating journey a little bit later in life and it, it's, it almost, you know, sucks worse. And I ha- I have no regrets because everything led me to a great place. But my best friend at the time who came over that night to help console me, um, she said, she's like, well, th- you know, this stuff is supposed to happen in high school and there's no supposed to. And she knows that and she met well, but it's like you feel everything so much more strongly because I think I had built up what all of this would be like in my head. So I grasped onto it that much more tightly. And when it went away, that really hurt. So I like had not worked out that muscle of what it's like to move through heartbreak until I was 26 and very formed (laughs) at that point. So that that's tough. I mean, everyone needs to take everything at their own time, but that was certainly, uh, that was a, a rough period of time for me for sure. Yeah. Damn. So obviously you learned a lot from those nine months of being in your first relationship in a long distance relationship What did your dating look like after the fact? Um, Were you like drawn to dating right away? Like, is it something that you wanted to take a break from? Like that heartbreak? Did it, it just crushed you so much that you just like had, had trouble moving on? Like, what did you learn and, and how has it aided you in your dating journey moving forward? You know, I think um, another piece of advice, the same friend gave me, and it's something that I try to use sparingly when this has happened again. And, and even something I'll say with coaches, as long as you don't sit in it for too long was to get angry because that helped get over the hurt. So like there was the hurt piece that, you know, what did I do? How, like, how did I mess this up and blaming myself? And then it, it took maybe only a couple of days to be like, F that guy. Like yeah. he did this, this, and this, and I tried this, this, you know, and, and I came to really realize that there's nothing, no one thing that you can do right or wrong. That's going to make a difference. Like if someone wants to be with you, that is going to happen if you want it to. And no bad, like one text message or weird night or confronting someone about something shady, um, which is kind of what had led to, I think our ultimate demise, um, in that relationship, none of that is going to ruin something that would, otherwise be really great. Um, so that was a big lesson I learned, but I, I got back in the dating pool relatively quickly. Um, but I wouldn't call myself necessarily like serial monogamous. Like I have long stretches where I've been single and then short bursts where between that and who I'm with now, my boyfriend now, um, where I've had like three to six month relationships. Um, and certainly this is now we're at we're at nine and I know it's weird. We already live together and own property, but it, I've learned a lot from those other, those yeah. other stints. <laughs> totally, totally. So, um, we definitely are going to have to have multiple parts to this because we're, we're just like cruising. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but so I, obviously everybody knows who listens to our podcast that Becky is in a relationship. You know, we've been talking about it since probably like the first episode, I'm, I would assume. Um, but tell us a little bit about how you met Brendan and how things progressed and 
just like lay it, lay it us, lay it on us. I want to hear it all. Everyone yeah. deserves to hear the story, the love story. <laughs> well, and I think the funny thing is, is that as much as it seems fast because we own property together now, it it actually was. <laughs> A slow burn is like a weird way to put it because I think we were very, I don't think we were very attracted to each other in the beginning, but the relationship just kind of like, rather than forcing it, it just had a nice cadence to it in the beginning. We didn't spend a ton of, he's not a big texter, truthfully, like that's not how I love to communicate in a relationship either. So um, that worked out really nicely to me. Like we made dates. I knew I wanted to see him again. And that was one of the funny things. So actually minor plug for the book club, because for April, we're going to read a book called Make Your Move by this guy, John Berger. I've talked about that. That was a heart take on a previous episode. And so that book really helped shift when I started deciding to date again. Like I had one relationship during COVID that was sort of brief and took a little bit of a break. And in that break, I was like, I've got to do something different. So I was reading all sorts of stuff. I was like meditating differently. I vision boarded, decided I was going to be unapologetic about my search for love. Gabby and I started Cap Heart Connect. Like all of these things really, you know, took place in very rapid succession. But Make Your Move was a great book to get me out of the zone of, well, they have to chase me and they should ask me out and they should make all the plans. That's not how everybody is. So if I like someone, I decided to myself, like, I'm just going to be open about whatever my feelings are in the moment. And so I think it was probably our first, like, even up to like five dates at at the end of every date is like, you could tell like getting late, things are winding down. We're getting ready to drive home. He goes, so what are you thinking? And I'd say, I'm thinking I'd like to see you again. And it was almost like, it was almost a joke in my head, like by date five or six, because of course, like I'm still here. I want to keep seeing you. Um, but in this particular relationship, um, especially because Brendan is a little bit on the shire side and he like matchmaker Maria always talks about like, there's one planner in every relationship. I, I was okay with not dating a planner because I don't mind making the plans. And once I got over that in my head, we could figure things out more easily and it, and it flowed naturally because I was doing what I do best and he was very happy to be along for the ride. I think the other piece that was so important and different in this relationship is, um, you know, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but he's going back to school right now to um, get into social work and he wants to work with other humans and work on himself and help others, you know, get to a better place in their mental state. And so I think with that came, an emotional availability that I hadn't really seen in other people I've dated even long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard to pinpoint like that, that just took some time getting to know him, but there was that willingness to have those conversations. And that was something that um, I think was, was huge and that I knew I was looking for, but it, I didn't know what it felt like until I found it. And that that's hard. Yeah. That's interesting because I, feel that, you know, I invested time and money and energy into dating coaching, which has really helped me in so many ways in dating and in life in general. And since I've invested in dating coaching, every person I've dated, I feel brings me closer to that person that I'm supposed to be with. Or, you know, I, I, like you, don't believe that there's necessarily one person in the world who is my soulmate and that they're the only person on earth I can connect to. I I don't really believe that. I think there are multiple people that you can build a connection with. Agreed. Um, But 
I do feel every single person that I've dated gets me a step closer. And every person that I've dated, the last person was one person that I, it was just so easy. Yeah. So, and like people, it always used to annoy me so much when people were like, it should be easy. Like, why are you upset? Why are you, why do you feel like it's toxic? Like it should, if it's the right person for you, you will not feel those things. It will be super easy. It'll just, you won't be confused. You won't be confused. And I'm starting to learn that now as I'm getting closer to that person. I'm like, damn, you're right. Like, it just feels right. Like there's something about that person that has that thing that you've been missing for so long and that emotional availability, that vulnerability, you know, all that stuff. And that's like, that's what ultimately led me to want to coach because I think Mm -hmm. it took, especially that sort of like sprint in between the last person I dated before Brendan and Brendan, I just had this realization that like I have been maybe low key, like embarrassed about my search. Like you, you get to a certain age people. Oh, well, you're so great. Why are you single? Well, thanks a lot. Like, uh, why can't I, uh, you know, why can't I celebrate other things in my life? And I, and I had kind of this like hidden piece of myself that just, I think was resistant to finding a relationship Mm -hmm. because it is scary. And even though in my head, it's what I wanted, there was a lot of things I was doing to be resistant to it. And I think there are so many people out there, women in particular, in a, in the same way that I was, I think men do this too, but it's for different reasons. Yeah. But we, we, especially if you've been independent for a while, like it's scary. It's scary to talk openly about the fact that you want to find someone without feeling embarrassed about it, which Capital Heart Connection, our podcast, that was a huge, huge piece, I think, of getting in the right mindset of not being ashamed to say, yeah, I'm single. I'm awesome. There's a lot of things to love around here. And hopefully I'll find someone to share it with. And ultimately I did. I think um, being open to looking for things that you know that you need, but aren't always drawn to and really doing a lot of the work to make that list of must haves and nice to haves and deal breakers. That's an activity I always do with my coaches and talking about how that translates into what you put out on your dating profile and, you know, how you show up on dates. Um, I think the ability to get present and tune in to yourself and how you're feeling on dates and when you're with someone and how someone makes you feel and taking that as a shift from being so worried about what the other person is thinking about you and, and are, do they want to go on another date with me? No, it, it doesn't really matter. You're here to assess whether you want to go with, on another date with them and then you can figure the rest out. And it doesn't mean that dating was perfect. It doesn't mean that there wasn't still disappointments and things I got hyped up over. And then, you know, the roller coaster of that falling flat but it did put me in such a better place. And all of these things I did worked so well. And that shift happened in me honestly so quickly that I want to help other people get to that place. So that's where the dating coaching came in. And it started a little bit before I met Brendan um, because I felt like I was in such a good place and meeting him and, and that relationship has, this relationship has only kind of strengthened that, that desire. I love that. You're so amazing, Becky. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you. We're definitely going to have to have multiple parts to this because we have run out of time. <laughs> but I really think that this episode has really hit on some major topics that 
are sometimes neglected in the dating conversation that I'm glad that we're kind of bringing out through our own personal experiences. And I'm expo- I'm excited to kind of go back and reflect on this episode and pull out those themes and have different podcasts surrounding those themes. And yeah. um, so I'm really excited. But yeah, I uh, thank you for being open and honest. And it's not always easy to be vulnerable, especially on a podcast where many people are listening. So <laughs> you for being so open and sharing your experiences and translating those experiences into your coaching. Uh, I'm really excited to see, you know, how your clients grow. Thank you, Gab. Well, and and I'm super pumped too. We're going to turn the tables. I think we'll get a couple episodes of these interviews, but the next, the next just me and you episode, I'm going to turn the tables and we'll talk about you. And that's going to be fun. I'm sure we're going to need a few episodes for that too, because you've got some stories. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can't say in the podcast, but I do my best to create appropriate versions of them. And we will be back next week with a really exciting guest um, that will, you know, circle around some fun announcements we have coming up for our listeners who are local to the capital region of New York. So we are super excited. In the meantime, follow us on all the things, share this podcast with your friends. If you haven't uh, rated or reviewed us yet on your respective podcast listening apps, please do that. And in the meantime, or I guess uh, until then, we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.